Hello, and welcome to Furloughed, Defining Moments Worth Talking About. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and with me is Steve Otterstrom. And Steve, this has been quite a week for me, the last couple of weeks. I have turned into a, a, a manly man where I have cut down a tree that fell in my yard, wow. or cut it up after it fell, I should say. I've replaced a alternator and a battery in my car, and I've never replaced an alternator before. So that was a learning experience for me. Uh, what what exciting things have been going on in your world? <laughs> well, I just want to congratulate you on those, you know, rites of passage there. Yes. <laughs> Cutting a tree, you know, working on a car. I mean, I, I don't want to point out that an alternator and a battery is one of the easier things. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the <laughs> alternator, you have the, the little belt to deal with there. So that, that, was, uh, that was exciting there, but. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Well, that's that's all I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't done anything that cool. So if you if you noted any saltiness, and it was that, you know, my my week has been terribly unimpressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just working. Yes. Well, and, and work has been busy for me as well. Uh, so. Uh, but, uh, well, speaking of exciting, though, uh, we do have an exciting guest today, so we're just going to quickly dive right into that and allow as much time as we can as possible. So our guest today is Sardik Love. So he's the CEO of Sardik Love International, and he's worked in over 30 countries, inspiring, developing, and educating thousands of managers and leaders in Fortune 100 companies high-tech organizations, local and state governments, federal governments. And then he's also, uh, interesting part in his bio, I'm going to read this off here, from working in West Siberia during the most frigid, bone-chilling winter temperatures to being lost in the Liberian desert during the scorching heat of summer to traveling the rain-drenched, lush, and extremely remote jungles of Indonesia to revitalizing a workforce in war-torn villages in West Africa. His real-world experiences serve as foundation for his powerfully captivating stories in which he brings to his training sessions. And so we have Sardik, who's going to share some stories with us today. So welcome to the podcast, Sardik. Hey, guys, it's a pleasure to be with you, you know, and, and listening to that bio, I, you know, it makes me think about, you know, some world traveling, you know, crazy, you know, uh, Amazon getting lost in the Amazon kind of guy. I'm just a native New Yorker who found myself getting lost on multiple occasions, probably often due to my own uh, craziness. So <laughs> here I am. Well, there you go. Yeah, it does sound like you're, uh, you know, Indiana Jones or somebody with a machete in your hand when, you, when I read over that. But uh, that's what I was thinking. You were chasing down the cross of Coronado. <laughs> there you go. You know, I, the only time I've come close to a crocodile is actually um, in the zoo far, far away. <laughs> there you go. Well, and, uh, I, I, and certainly when you mentioned lost, getting lost in the jungles, I, I, I'm the guy that my family bought me a GPS back before smartphones. They bought me a GPS because we got lost on so many family vacations. And I found out you can still get lost with the GPS. Just throwing that out there for folks. So uh, we're you're in good company here, my friend. So Sardik, uh, we, we spoke prior to the podcast and uh, you've got plenty of interesting stories, 
but I want to hear about one that you had mentioned to me uh, where you got fired in the past and you survived that. And it sounds like that was kind of one of those, those furloughed moments. And uh, around here, a furloughed moment is when either something happens to you or you make a, a ch- decision yourself, but it's an opportunity for change. And uh, obviously when a person gets fired, that causes a lot of retrospect and a lot of things. So you want to kind of lay the foundation and, and tell us just a little bit about that and we'll unpack that and where that eventually led you. Yeah. You know, um, in short, I can summarize that whole experience this way. It put the you in suck. I mean, that, that sucked. And, and, and if you've never been fired, there's nothing more, how can I say? There's nothing more exciting, more adrenaline getting, nothing more depressing all at the same time than someone coming in telling you that, um, you know, your entire livelihood that perhaps you've invested everything in is now uh, gone in an instant. And we just need you to sign this paperwork. And by the way, you can't go back to your desk because we're going to escort you out the building. Yeah, that that was um, not only just challenging, but on the flip side, I'm the type of person, you know, you can probably tell already that through my experiences, life experiences and, and some choices, I live on the edge of time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds that <laughs> to way. Say the least. <laughs> to say the least. And, and to look at me, you wouldn't know that about me, but I really do. I, I, I really am a, a, an adrenaline junkie. So I, I, I got fired and I was, you know, surprised about everything. And I'll go into how that happened. But, but literally when I got fired, I walked outside and I was supposed to go to a meeting on behalf of my my employer uh, to an external event. And I called the event provider up and I said, hey, I just got canned, so uh, I'm not coming to your event. And he was like, what? And uh, I said, yeah, I'm I'm going home. And he said, "Um, no, 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 um, we don't care that you got fired. Still, come on. I was like, are you going to pay me to be there, right? Well, you know, and of course, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, dude, I, I just got the F word, you know, and, and you talking about, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. He said, look, he said, I know you. He said, I know you. What's your plan? I said, well, I'm going to launch my own business because I'm tired of this. This is screwy. He said, well, we've got great contacts. It was the British uh, Business Association's Christmas holiday holiday party. You know, so this was right in December of 2006. And he said, so we've got contacts from not only just you know, all over the world, but, you know, certainly from, from Britain, but we've got all the who's who in Europe going to be there that are here in the U S. So you might want to come. And, uh, I turned right around on the Dulles toll road (laughs) and went straight to that meeting. (laughs) And, uh, when they asked me, who are you with? I was like, I'm with, uh, you know, I had already got my name, infinity consultant and training solutions. So I didn't represent my former employer, uh, with any disintegrity, if you will. But, um, yeah, it was it was it was humiliating. At the same time, it was liberating, if that can even make sense. But it was for me because what I had done in short was I had found myself working in the consulting firm that I worked for was great. I mean, the organization was fantastic. But how we all know that old adage, people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. Yeah. Well, my boss did me a favor and put me out of my misery because I was miserable working for this guy. <laughs> and um, I'm not a quitter. So I was thinking actually to try to move off of his team because that company actually had this thing where for consultants and things like that, if you're, you know, if you can, because they know that sometimes in consulting, it's some, you know, oftentimes it's not the right fit. Mm-hmm. 
for mm-hmm. manager to, to manager, or in my case, manager to manager. And, um, and so they allow you to move if you can get off that, that sinking ship of that relationship. I was two days away from being able to get onto another team. He heard about it and he canned me, mm, which was fine. Wow. Which was fine. <laughs> and that tells you the type of person he was. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, what that did for me is had I not, had he not fired me, I probably would have never left the firm because it was a great place to work in that respect. But what he did was he fired me to my dream job and that was working for me. Mm. Wow. Well, now if you have trouble with your, your supervisor, what are you going to do? Well, I'm, you know, I, I do have regular occasional conversations with this guy and I'm sure it looks really weird when I'm out in public having those conversations. And, and sometimes, you know, as, as long as it doesn't end up in a hostage situation, we're good. And so far it hasn't. I'm good. It hasn't. That's really good. That's really good. Well, I think, I think many of us that have, and, it, and it's interesting because we talk about, uh, as I talk to other consultants, cause I work independently as well, you know, is, is that, Many of us started that way. Our, our jobs left us, mm-hmm. and then you know, never something we would have just decided to go in on on our own. But then after after a little while, we we realize it might be better out here. <laughs> that uh, um, at least we know that uh, we're the last person that's going to be let go <laughs> in our new organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Indeed. my curiosity though um, is. Having been in a similar situation myself, um, I think the biggest challenge I had, because what was similar is, is I actually ended up way better off as well for having lost my, my job, but there was a feeling of rejection. And I'm not speaking about the most recent time, but an earlier time um, where we're <laughs> walking out and, and, and thinking to myself, they actually believe that I take more from the company than what I give. Did you deal with that? Were there were there were there demons in the closet, or were you able to quickly just make that shift? And if so, how how did you do that? Well, you know, and I, I think to your point, Stephen, th- this is where uh, and Mel Robbins, who is the author of Five Second Rule and all that, she has a. a, a oh, I'm sorry, not as, I'm misquoting. It's not Mel. It's actually Brene Brown, who actually has this concept of crisis of confidence. And, and she actually said that, you know, when you go through a, a crisis of confidence, you experience shame. And, and like you, I did too. You know, I felt very rejected. I felt, and she said, when you have that crisis of confidence, shame drives two movies, not good enough. And who do you think you are? Right. And, and that's exactly what I felt. I was like, I felt for a moment that I wasn't good enough to be at that organization because they rejected me. And then who do I think I am to believe or to think that I deserve to be there? However, the one thing that I had that maybe some people don't have is, and and this is not necessarily a good thing for me, is I've had significant, uh, very almost cataclysmic changes in my life that have altered my life. So both parents, uh, approximately 20 years apart, literally in a day, passed away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a as a freshman at Virginia Tech, my mother, who was my my everything, you know, I get a call. She's she's been taken to the hospital 24 hours, not even 24 hours later. She's gone. Wow. And, and my my dad, who was my stepdad, but he was my dad for all intents and purposes. He was disabled and he didn't live with us. So I had the matriarch of my family, my, you know, everything taken away from me. And now I had to figure out what to do. And by the way, at, the t- at that time, I was a single dad. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And my mom had my daughter at, at one year old. And I'm a, you know, now I'm a, a rising sophomore at Virginia Tech. So I had to figure things out real quick. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so being a, a dad, that came about unexpectedly. And you might wonder, well, how, how did that come about unexpectedly? Because you kind of, you're, you had to be part of that whole process to create a child, right? <laughs> we won't talk about that. That's a whole, you know, that's the prison B story. Yeah. We'll keep, we keep this PG and avoid all that, yeah, right? Yeah. We'll save yeah. that for our, our next Valentine's Day um, exactly. podcast. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, so part of that whole being a statistic, but the one thing, yeah. and then my dad, 20 years later, uh, same thing, passed away suddenly. And, and now, so I've had to make changes very quickly. And what that, what I'm saying is I've built up a lot of resilience and perseverance through the, you know, the struggles of life and raising a child and having two parents, you know, go just like they did. So getting separated from the job, I was frustrated. I was shameful, but I immediately turned and literally within, you know, uh, like I said, that drive on my drive home, uh, I got that call or I made that call and I turned right around. And that's what I do. When I run into challenges, I take action. And I've learned Mm -hmm. over time throughout my life that don't sit back and wait. Things don't change until you take action to cause them to change. And, and, you know, so that's the way I've been all my life. Um, and I, I just take action as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it makes good sense. <laughs> I'm, I guess I'm the skeptic in the room almost, Sardi, because it, it is, at, just to Steve's point, it's so uh, traumatic. But obviously, like you said, you've, you've had a number of experience maybe that uh, allowed you to exercise that. Uh, resilience muscle and to bounce back a little. Uh, I know, Mm -hmm. of course, normal tendency is to do the self-reflection and and good, good information you've shared from Brene Brown. Um, But uh, so many of us just tend to be so stunned that we're just not able to make a move or not able to take that action you're talking about. So Mm -hmm. uh, do you have some secrets there that you can kind of help unlock that? uh, You know, there, there is, let's just face it, initial shock, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I know you were discomfortable where you were and I've, I've been in a job in the past too, where uh, I knew (laughs) this is not going to last forever. Uh, And and fortunately I, I was able to make that pull that trigger before they did, but it was, uh, it was a race to get to that trigger because I knew I was headed out the door one way or another. Uh, but, but uh, how, how do you sort of handle with being stunned or are, are there any first steps of preparation or anything you can enlighten that work for you or just what, what can you share there? Yeah. You know, the, the interesting thing Leonard is for me again, coming from, you know, and I've had mentors in my life, so it's not like I have some superhuman ability to just, you know, have an incident and, you know, rip off my shirt and have my chest out with uh, a few hairs that won't seem to grow quite right, but, you know, but they're there. I have three hairs. They're there. Okay. Thanks for the so visual. I, I, I'm just giving everyone that visual three, you know, and, 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 and all my family, my siblings, they all have hair on them, except for me. I, I got three, but nonetheless, <laughs> I don't know why I'm sharing that with y'all. That's very personal, but nonetheless. <laughs> now our 13 uh, listeners also know. <laughs> exactly, right? So, you know, count your stripes, right? And, and here's, you know, for me, I just realized that like everything else, 
we all are creatures of habits. And I'm, I'm a performance consultant at heart. That's what I eventually turned into. And so I started to understand that habits are nothing more than our daily routines that drive our results. And so for me, our habits are the compound interest on our on our success. Mm-hmm. We are more successful or less successful based on our habits. And there's lots of books and people have written about that, a lot smarter people than me. So what I've just realized, quite frankly, is if you take no action, that's a habit. So by taking action right. and getting some small wins, not looking for everything to change overnight. And the habits that have to change, quite frankly, is the habits of thought. What are the stories that you tell yourself? Because we all, I mean, how many times have we told ourselves that the world is coming to a complete end, life sucks, and the dog hates us and everything, (laughs) when in fact, that is not true. And don't get me wrong. I tell myself that story still to this day, but it's the recovery from telling the sad story to telling a story of possibility. Mm. And so I immediately start thinking any crisis or any event of, of dis, uh, disappointment or disenchantment, where is there an opportunity? Cause there always, there always is an opportunity in challenge and you just have to look for it. That's good. No, it, it, it's interesting. Cause I, I've, I've, been privileged enough to work with you on a couple of occasions and and uh you know there are just I apologize a of- up front for all the craziness you had to deal with <laughs> just saying <laughs> i'll tell you anyone I, I remember the first time i worked with you i was like i'm gonna enjoy this you know this class because you were you were teaching the class and i was producing for you and i and and oftentimes you know when you're it's it's a job it's work and 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 uh you know, it's not like I've, I've ever hated producing. It's just that sometimes, most of the time, I'd rather be doing almost anything else with my life. And, mm-hmm. and um, in in this circumstance, you know, I remember you you you'd you'd come on the call before before anyone else came on, and you were talking about um, having been rear-ended, and I I really expected uh, you to be you know, and this guy or gal or whoever it was, they just didn't look and they came into me and you were talking about process. Like what is it in the process that would make it so someone would not see this person? (laughs) And I found it so unique. And, uh, and then I, as I worked with you, I discovered that you have a tendency to go this way. Even um, I remember you talking about your dog, maybe not going outside and doing, um, the dog's business in it as efficient a way as it could, if it would follow your process um, orientation. But there, you really seem to have this ability to quickly focus in what what caused something to happen. How did it get to that point? And and it and it appears you can do it without emotion um, coming in. Is am I reading this right? And if so, how can we get to this point? Because I, I really see an ability to to get those right habits if you can have the right perspective. I, well, I feel like I'm laying on a couch and you're the counselor. I mean, <laughs> that, 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 that was a perfect description of, of the way Sardique's brain works. And, mm. you know, it's a curse or a gift, depending upon how you look at it. And I've always looked at it as for a long time. Actually, I looked at it as a curse because it made me so freaking different from everybody else. You know, when I was in high school, you know, and now I played football. I love football and eventually started doing martial arts, love martial arts. I did all those things, 
but I wasn't the cool kid because I was also the kid that was going back and working on my Commodore 64 writing code. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so I was I was caught in between these two worlds of I want to be the cool jock kid, all that from New York who has now moved to Virginia. But at the same time, I want to be, you know, I, my mother drilled into me that education was the key to success. And how and no matter what I was going to be, I was going to go to school. I was going to go to college. And, and I tell you, the. But my brain always looked for efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I got to tell you the, the quick you know thing about the dogs. We have an Alaska Malamute. And, and, the, and my wife is always, and it's funny, she loves to take him on longer walks. Again, my performance consulting thing. I have recognized where he likes to go to do his leg lifts and his squats. Let you have that in your, <laughs> your mental imagery. Okay? With your three hairs. We're going to have a lot of things to think about today. I was going to ask a lot if he bench presses too. <laughs> well, you know, he has a rotational thing, which is, you know, so you got the leg lift, the squat, and then I got the in-between where he, he decides the, from, from time to time he'll do the leg lift. And then he just, he says, well, I'm efficient too. So he rotates into the squat at the same time. <laughs> it's really funny to watch him do that. However, I digress. Where I'm going with all this is <laughs> I don't need to walk him for 15, 20 minutes. I know where his favorite spots are for him to do his thing. Contrary, she loves to walk him and she believes that, you know, he needs to walk for, you know, long periods of time to do his business. No, he needs to walk for a long period of time to get his exercise. But to do his business, I can make that much more efficient. And so that's the way my brain works. It always has been. And I always have been that person that asked why? Why did that person do that? And, and including myself, I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes I would ask myself, that was pretty stupid. Why did I do that? And so I really, it really kind of came out of a trying to understand stupid because I've done a lot of stupid things and I've seen <laughs> a lot of people do stupid things. And I'm like, it's so, I don't know, maybe it's a PhD in understanding stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you get me. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to say yes. That was kind of hurtful. (laughs) You said it. I didn't. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I say, yep. You just (laughs) did the easy layup. You know, we're all stupid to a certain degree. In fact, we're all born stupid. Some of us just choose to stay that way. Thankfully, you're not. So let's, you know, let's drive back to the story a little bit here, guys. <laughs> so, so, uh, so you were fired from the company then and mm-hmm. you, it sounds like you pretty well decided right away you were going to start your own business then. Is that, is that true? Well, there's some reluctance sorta. along the way. Yeah. Sort of. Actually, uh, I had had a dream to start the business way, way, way back. I, I mean, going okay. many, many years back. So I think many of us have that dream of wanting to be our own boss and uh, and that kind of thought. Uh, most people don't execute on that because they're fearful, obviously. Yeah. But I had that dream and I had the name and everything. So what when I got fired on that date, I just decided at that point I'd had enough that I was not going to let some arbitrary manager just decide my future you know, like that, like that again, if I could help it. Mm-hmm. So I said, now is the best time. You know, I have no excuses. Uh, you know, I have no job. And, and, and so now's the best time to go and give it a shot because I can always be somebody else's employee, but I may not always have the purpose 
the drive and the and the desire to take action to be my own mm-hmm. employer right. or employee as well. And so I, you know, I just went ahead and did it because I, you know, I, I figured I, if I screw that up, I can always go back and screw other people's business up. At least I try. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so did uh, now? I don't, I don't know when this was to know your marital status and all that. But uh, did you have a support structure there, or did you have sort of critics on the bench that wanted to advise you? to maybe take some other action? Um, you know, yeah, it's kind of interesting when I think, so the, I'm married now and the person I'm married to now, no, she wasn't in the picture at that time. Gotcha. Interestingly okay. enough, yeah, the person I was dating at the time was, uh, ironically, she was working for the same consulting firm. So when I got walked mm-hmm. out of the building, I called her, cause this was, it really did catch me off guard. Um, and, and so when I called her and, and, and told her, I said, hey, I just got got fired. Uh, you know, her support mechanism was to start crying. And, and that wasn't exactly what I was, you know, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted, but I didn't want to have the hysterics of her yeah. uh, mm-hmm. crying. One more thing you know, added because to the now list, that, right? That was one more thing. I'm like, OK, so I'm looking for comfort. And now here you are. I'm, I'm now having to turn my attention and comfort you when I'm my life is uncertain at the moment, at least in the moment. I knew what I wanted mm-hmm. to do and what I was hoping to do is, you know, to say this, is what I want to do, but she didn't take it that way. And, and, and so, um, obviously it wasn't the right fit and, um, you know, that's the way it went. And I'm glad that we're, the way things worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do, uh, at least, you know, there are more than one way people can react. If I could share my own st- story for just a moment. Um, so, uh, years ago I worked at a call center. And while I was at that call center, I, I was a contract employee and wanted to get into this company. And so uh, I accidentally did one of those reply alls that I shouldn't have done. Uh, me, and some, me and some buddies would occasionally be a little snarky about some of the emails that come through and we would forward the email and add our snarky remarks. So it was just an internal thing. And I hit reply all. And so as a contract employee, I just knew that was going to be the end of it. And so uh, I immediately thought of the family at home, called the wife and uh, broke the news to her. And Sardik, I, I, I hate to tell you, but my wife could not stop laughing. And when I explained to her, <laughs> no, you don't understand. I could be fired because of this. She even laughed harder. And uh Basically, her thought was, you know, you're always doing something like this. It's finally time that you get caught. Uh, so I, I have a different support system in my life than what you maybe have. <laughs> Sardik needed someone to laugh. You needed someone to cry. <laughs> I, I would have appreciated the crying. No, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, it, it is it is challenging. And I, I, I think many of us... Um, and, and you tell me if this fits you, Sardi. Um, so, so many times we kind of learn to gauge our feelings, engage our direction, gauge our thoughts by the emotions or the responses of other people. And it sounds like in this situation, you know, we talked a little bit about your personality. Steve mentioned it earlier. Maybe you were just then able to separate your feelings or the feelings of others from the decisions you needed to make and, it was, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know if I want to say it was a more factually driven decision that you made, but at least you were able to separate emotion from it to a degree. Would that be accurate? 
Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. And one thing about me that I didn't mention that furthered along this, and I mentioned, you know, the whole thing about my mom passing away. So this is, like I said, it may, may be not a good thing at the time, but when, when she passed away, you know, I have, I'm the last of seven children. So I have all kinds of siblings, one sister and, and five mm-hmm, brothers mm-hmm. and, and, and lots of other extended family throughout. The interesting thing was in this, you know, in my family, they understand I tell the story and whether they like it or not, it's the story of what I experienced. So mm-hmm. I keep it real mm-hmm. on this. When she passed away, I got no support from my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was really interesting because what years later, as we kind of came back, because I was just enchanted with my family and, and, and didn't really connect with them for years after that, because I felt like I, you know, how could you leave me? I'm the last, I'm the baby. You left me out here to mm-hmm. figure this out on your own, on my own. And no one called to check on me or anything like that. And when we finally reconnected, you know, I prayed about it and we re- reconnected and I forgave everybody. Mm-hmm. My, I had two brothers actually admit, and th- they both said it in different ways, but the same thing. They said to me, they said, and my family calls me Sardi. They said, Sardi, we knew you were going to be okay because you're the strongest mm. of us all. Mm. Now, I, I appreciated that. <laughs> but <laughs> to but I'm, I'm human. Yeah, but I'm human too. Right, and, I, right. and I told them, I was like, yeah. I'm human too. I'm not superhuman. Even though they felt like I was the strongest and could deal with all that, I was like, but I was left out there. Now, what that did to me, though, was it forced me not to rely on getting love and expecting things from people who love you. Mm. So yes, and that the ability to compartmentalize was probably a negative reaction to the the lack of things that I was getting in my life and over the and, and so I had to I went way too far on that spectrum for a while and then I learned because that's not my natural bent. I'm very connected, very human oriented, very into people, but I had to keep it to a certain degree so that I didn't get hurt with unrealistic or unmet expectations. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so going forward, I have this ability to, to almost turn it on and off, but I try to keep my, my standard uh, default now is I'm human, I'm very emotionally and connected to you until you tick me off and you get three chances to tick me off, three strikes, <laughs> and then I cut you off. You, you, you count them on your chest hairs, don't you? <laughs> I got three hairs, pull three out, you're gone. <laughs> Well, I do, I do know sometimes it is healthy to, uh, I, I call it kind of the, the fishbowl. You know, it, it's sometimes mm-hmm. good to be outside the fishbowl and look in at your life and realize what's going on. Uh, but you, it, it's not necessarily healthy to stay outside of that. And having those emotions right. are great. So good too. Well, I, I think listening to your story and even just now hearing it from the perspective of, of you know, like after your mother had passed and, and, um, you know, when you're in that situation and you've got the whole world on the outside, you know, and you're you're having to rely on yourself and you are the strong one. I mean, I, I'm still trying to understand where do, where do you get that strength from? <laughs> because in the end, I think most of us would just crumble under that. And I, and I would imagine we may even have a listener or two who feels like they're crumbling. <laughs> this Because this is a hard time, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I think probably most of our listeners are people who worked with us, who were part of the kind of the great purge that happened at the organization that we were at. And some of them are still out there, you know, treading water, sinking a little bit. You know, is, is there a secret sauce to finding that strength? Is there, 
um, you know, something that, that people can grab onto that be a little bit more like Sardique? Well, I, I think it, it really does. And for me, I think it was, it clearly was my mother. And, mm-hmm. and I would say to anyone else, you got to have one person, one person in your life that believes in you. And, and, and I, you know, I often tell this story about my mother and to this day, I don't know why she would say this to me, but she actually would tell me when I was growing up, I was, you know, eight, nine, 10 in that time range. And she would say, um, someday you're going to be great. She -hmm. wouldn't explain anything other than that. She just would say that. And it would come at weird times. You know, uh, I'd be, you know, I'd come in from playing outside or something like that. And she was like, oh, clean your room because someday you're going to be great. And and that's it. And and I never asked her Mm -hmm. why she would say that. So, but, but in my head, she kept telling me that. And so I, when I was going to school in elementary school, I went, uh, I guess I tested off the chart at, at, in elementary. So I went to this school for gifted and talented children uh, in, in Mount Vernon, New York, called Grimes Center for Creative Education. And, and I, have a, I had a different educational experience at, in, in my elementary and middle school. And mm-hmm. then when I was mainstreamed into the, the regular school population, again, there's that difference. I, I, I had different experiences and my mother was telling me things different. So I think it comes back to, you know, who is it in your ear? That's feeding you mm. the story of your future, because if you have the right story being told to you in your future and you believe it, man, what a, what a difference that makes. So for all of us who have the opportunity to be the 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 investor of someone and tell them they're going to be great or they're going to get better or things are going to get better. If you don't have that, go find that. And if you aren't doing that, be that. Mm. I think there's. You know, I, I think of all the classes I've heard you teach and things. I think that is really probably, probably one of the most powerful lessons for anyone in a leadership position, whether it's, you know, your family, your kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm, once we get done, I'm going off to tell my kids right away, someday you're going to be great. And they're going to look at me really strange. But <laughs> I, I bet you might have done that to your mother once in a while, too. <laughs> Indeed. You know, and, and, and you know, and, and let's keep it real. Uh, you know, here's a funny part of life. Not everybody can be great. And being great, but if you're going to be great, you might as well be great at sucking too. So, you know, it is what it is and things happen, but yeah, it's, it's, it really does come back to that story that being, that you're being told and the story that you're creating for yourself. I know it sounds cliche, but the reality is that's why all these books are out there about that. That's why you have the Brene Browns, the Tony Robbins, the John Maxwell's, the stuff actually works, but you, you know, you got to pay the price to, to do it because, you know, without action. This, you're going to be the status quo. And if you're not happy with the status quo, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're, you're, you're hitting it really well there, Sardi. Cause I, I, you know, one of the things that I firmly believe is, uh, and, and that's, that's a part of my, uh, uh, life vision, I guess, or life mission, if you want to call it, is just to see people rise to their potential. And uh, mm-hmm. it, the voices that we listen to so much affect what that potential is. You know, it's oftentimes, just as you've expressed the death of your mother, you know, it's overcoming the pain of the past and it's looking to that future and, and having those right voices. And whether they're from someone you know or whether it's one of those books from one of those authors you mentioned, you know, it, it does have such an influence because it, it really is then the framing of how we view our lives. And if we choose to see the downside of everything, I mean, obviously you could have easily went home, recognized you were fired, 
did the math and saw how many minutes your checking account was going to keep you afloat. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or you could have went ahead and reached for the possibilities and measured, you know, counted the cost of what it would be to not pursue uh, what you had talked about doing. Indeed. You know, and, and when we look at this, the, the pandemic and, and everything, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever, I remember back in March of 2020, you know, I had this the schedule that was was I mean, my I had entered 2020 on a on fire. I mean, I was I had traveled uh, extensively already in, in the first two months, had made more money in the first three months or first two months that I had made in any prior two month period in my in my career, in my business and anything. And then that happened and, and overnight, everything canceled. And while everyone was sitting there trying to figure out, you know, how are they going to re- redo things? I literally stopped doing and, and started studying. And I, and I told my wife and it freaked her out, freaked me out, but I had to understand what is it going to, how do I redesign my business? I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to sell. I didn't know what would sell as a trainer because mm-hmm. speaking was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, my speaking business was absolutely gone. No one was going to do that. So I sat back and I went from March, April, and May doing research. That meant no revenue coming in for those three months. And and we're watching a bank account go down and down and down and down. And it's getting scarier and scarier. And I just told her, just trust me on this. And it took a lot of trust on her behalf, I got to tell you. And then I rolled out, you know, in July, I, I figured out what I thought was the key after all this research and doing webinars and, and getting some data. And then I rolled out in July of last year, uh, what's now, what was Master Virtual Presenter. And and when I rolled it out, I was not known in the in the virtual training space. I'm very well known in the you know instructor led and speaking space. People know me really well on that, but no one knew me as a virtual trainer. I mean, you've got mm-hmm. people like Casey Labori and you've got Cindy Huggett, who are the dominant predominant predominant people who have the brand on that. And here's what I did, and and, and I know both of them. I know Casey, but I know Cindy really well. She's a close friend of mine. But here was the thoughts, the pattern I had in my head. I'm going to be among the best. And then I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm not going to be just among the best. I'm going to be the best. And so yeah. I used them as my guidepost, not, not you know from competition perspective, but I wanted to set the brand positioning so that when people think of virtual training, they think of Casey Labori, Cindy Huggett, and Sardique Love. And now mm-hmm. when you, you fast forward a year later, when you look at online and I see people doing this now, Casey Labori, Sardi Glove, Cindy Huggett, those two have been established. I'm the newcomer. Yeah. I'm the disruptor. That's what I do because I've learned over the years, stop, observe, research, take action. And when you do that, it doesn't matter what you think. You believe and then you build out what you think. Stop, observe, research, take action. I have to put that into my notes. <laughs> I'm, I'm writing because, it as you speak. <laughs> because I, I think that that is, that is a really useful way to break down really almost any of those like insurmountable problems. And, you know, we've talked about some heavy ones here today. You know, it doesn't really get any heavier than, you know, the passing of a loved one, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it is the same as, you know, dealing with <laughs> that, that um, person that backed into you. <laughs> Stop, mm-hmm. observe, research, take action. Yeah, that, um, that, that 
really allows you to break down any problem and find your way on the other side of it. Really super powerful. It's it, and it's you know it's it's one of I think Mel Robbins' book you know the five second rule is is a, you know the concept is is very similar in terms of her saying count backwards before you start taking any action and you're feeling those emotions stop you know count five four three two one and then get out of bed was her her famous story and for me it's just you know and I just learned because I had I was forced to you know your mother dies what are you gonna do you're gonna stop and then you're gonna observe well what what are we doing. And then you realize that, you know, in my case, I realized that no one was coming to my aid. So I had to figure this out. So I had to figure out how am I going to get through school? How am I going to pay for the rest of my education at Virginia Tech? Um, And oh, by the way, I had a a professor tell me when I went to readmit back into school after taking a year off after my mom died, because I just wasn't ready to come back to school. And and he he actually told me, he said, and he was my um, head of the department. He said, well, I'm going to readmit you because the grades you know, require me to force or forcing me to do that. And he actually said this to me. He said, but I don't think you have what it takes to, to get through Virginia Tech in this program. Wow. That ticked me off. Yeah. And what that did, I mean, it, it, the moment he said that, I was like, you know what? I'm going I'm to completely disprove you. And not only did I do, do that, I went through and got... Um, hit Dean's List for the rest of my career at Virginia Tech. And I graduated. And so he came over and my stepdad was there. And he came over and he said to me, he said, um, he said, you probably don't like me. He said, I want to congratulate you. He said, but I'm sure you don't like me for what I told you. And I had my degree at that point. So I was happy to say what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was in your hand. <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I was going. So I was like, you know what? I said, you know, Dr. East, no, I don't. I really don't like you. And then he said, well, I, he said, let me tell you something, young man. He said, I know what I said to you was hurtful, but he said, it's a rare situation that I meet someone like you and I know what it meant for your mother to pass away. And he said, there's somebody that I know that's just like you that needed a kick in the tail to motivate them. And he said, I took a risk that you were that person because the person I know that's just like you is in front of you. It's me. Mm -hmm. And he said, I did that hoping that you would do what you did, taking the risk that you might not. He said, I'm glad you proved me right. Yeah. You know, and that changed everything about how I looked at that guy and, and everything. And so when we look at what we're doing, it's like, wow. So I've learned to, you know, stop, observe, do the research to figure out what it's going to take, find the mentors, the, the connectors, the people, the partners like the two of you that I can work with that can further the action because because I'm my goal is now not to be the best. Of, you know, it's not about the best of being a virtual trainer. I'm trying to dominate the world. I'm trying to make a difference in lives across the world. Yeah. I'm, you know, I didn't wake up. The world is not going to dominate itself. And so I got to wake up and do my thing to help people to add value. Because John Maxwell says, in order to add value to people, you have to love and believe in people. And that's what I do. Everything I do is in service of others. And, um, you know, when you live in that that realm, realm. It, it's it's so personally rewarding. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I, I definitely feel that if there's anyone I know that I'll say, hey, I knew them when. <laughs> You're that guy. <laughs> Hopefully I won't be on the post office uh, board with a photo. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's celebrity, right? That I get to. That's true. <laughs> get to be near. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I, I feel very lucky because um, so many of the things that you're talking about, I've actually had the opportunity to observe you uh, do 
you know, even even I think about, and you probably maybe you remember this, but uh, you know, I, I I've seen you actually be personally attacked, and I've seen you stop, observe, <laughs> research, and take action. And I've and 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 really even you know you talked about having those right voices in your head, and and I've seen you purge the voice of 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 someone that really there's no good reason to listen to and bring in those better voices to say, no, I'm, I'm better than that. <laughs> this is who I am. Um, and it's really, really remarkable. I, I, I mean, I, if, if anybody listening to this hasn't had an opportunity to hear you, they, they should look you up. <laughs> they should take that master facilitator class if they, if they facilitate, you know, because there's so much to be learned here. Yeah. And you know, Stephen, you, you, we had that unique, you know, I've never been attacked, you know, by a, a participant virtually or in person like, like that verbally attacked. And it, it, it was shocking. But again, I recognize that generally when people are attacking another person it's because they want something. And mm -hmm. I knew that the way she was talking, that she was looking to get something. So it was a bullying tactic. I've been around long enough to know. Uh, and and I, I have this confidence now. And, and confidence is I have strong self-belief that if I'm doing the right thing, there's nothing you can tell me that's going to take me away from that. Now, mm -hmm. that doesn't mean I don't get attacked. And I again, I had another recent incident, not not nearly close to what you and I had the opportunity to learn from, but but one where a client, the managers of the of the organization were observing and they didn't like what was going on and and they were disappointed and it didn't go well. And that happens occasionally. And what was interesting about that scenario was the fact that, you know, again, I'm telling the story and I'm trying to figure out how to work this out. And it just didn't work out. And I'm frustrated and all those emotional words that you can think of, mm -hmm. you know, irritated. And so when I debriefed with the uh, the main client, because I was doing work on behalf of another organization. And when I debriefed with them and they were you know trying to understand what went wrong, they asked me, they said, um, have you read the evaluations in the comments? In them? And I said, no, I haven't. And the single response from the senior leader there was, you probably should. Now, what's interesting about that, and, and here's where I'm just as human as everybody else. Notice she said, you probably should. I hadn't, because I didn't want to, I didn't care. I didn't want to care what they had said, what mm -hmm. might be in there. I had to, you know, there's a compartmentalization. I had to just cut it, take it, take it as a loss, learn what I could and move on. Only, ironically, it was only until yesterday. So this is like a month later, <laughs> only until yesterday. I just happened to say, you know what? I'm in this portal uh, for another reason. Let me take a look at the evaluations and see why I should have looked. And when I looked at what the participants said, it stunned me. They said exactly what I intended to invest in them. And they said all the glowing things and all the things that they loved about the program and everything. So again, I was telling my story that what was probably in that portal with the evaluations were mm -hmm. bad and I didn't want to look at it. And that senior leader knew, and that's why she said, you probably should look at it. I didn't look at it. And that, that just, again, reminded me, gosh, you know what? Stop telling the story mm -hmm. of dread to yourself. Not everybody has to buy into that crap. So mm -hmm. even, even I fall in, you know, as much as I know better, I, I took a month to look at it. And then I told my wife yesterday, I was like, yeah, their managers thought I put the U in suck, but you know what? These three hairs are back out and the S is on the chest. <laughs> 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 
How's that for imagery? There you go. <laughs> and that S probably just fits right around those hairs really easily. But anyway. <laughs> we, we won't talk about that. Uh, well, Sardi, oh, good, good, good stuff, my friend. And it, it has really been good. I, I, I'm just kind of glancing over my notes at some of the things I've written, written down here. And, uh, uh, you know, first, you know, I know you. it, it was a, Brene Brown quote you said about uh, when we have a crisis of confidence, it's, and of course I'm paraphrasing, but when we have a crisis of confidence, it brings shame. And the two questions we ask or talk to ourselves is we're not good enough or who do we think we are? Mm-hmm. Um, which is, is good. I'm a big believer in kind of preparing for things before they happen. That's just kind of the way my mind likes. I like to mentally prepare for things. And I realize mm-hmm. we have no idea what is going to happen, but I, I tend to like to play those scenarios. And so just even right here, you know, and Steve, I know you've got a lot of other things you've captured, but even right here, just knowing that up front, that the next time I have a crisis, and I do, I talked about getting lost, literally lost with a GPS, and you really probably don't want to be around me when that happens because I can just feel the blood boil up into my head and I can feel the frustration in my physical being and I get ugly. I lash out whatever it takes Mm -hmm. and it's because I'm physically lost, which makes no sense. But now that you've said that, you know, I can see there's some reason that shame dwells up in me because of that. So I can now be more proactive when that happens. Um, and I love, of course, you said about take action and not waiting. Uh, I think I've moved to that place, you know, kind of self-analysis. And I know it's not about me, but our, our audience <laughs> needs to do some self-analysis as well. But so oftentimes for me, it's just sort of wait and see, let's see what happens, wait and see, let's see what happens, things will pan out, whatever, and just wait. And of course, that inaction itself is an action as well. Uh, Steve, mm-hmm. what kind of stood out to you? during this time that you want to kind of reflect and share with our audience uh, outside of starting three chest hairs, I think, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, definitely, definitely. This, this is a, such a great story um, of, of multiple redemptions. And I think in, in that, that is really, I think what we can all take away from this is there's such, such an opportunity for us, no matter where we're at to, to stop, to, research or observe, sorry, to observe, <laughs> research and take action. I, I think one of the places where I have seen people get exceptionally frustrated is uh, when they're in a bad place and, and everyone comes to them with, with the actions that they need to take. Take this action. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. Oh, I know what a great thing you should do. Um, or maybe nobody shows up at all, and that can be almost just as hurtful <laughs> when you're in that situation. But sometimes, you know, that action isn't available yet. And we can either wait and see, which, you know, is, is about as uh, good a um, strategy as going to a casino to find your wealth. You know, it might happen. Chances are it won't. Or you can take that time in between where you can't take that action and you can really just observe and you really just do the research. And then you'll notice when, when those opportunities can come around and you can take that action. I think it's just such a powerful formula to use no matter where you're at, because you can always observe no matter what happens, there's an opportunity to observe 
and that observe observation will help you know where to take that research and that research will help you know where to take that action. So for me, I, I think um, I've got something for my post-it note to put on my screen to remind me to do uh, throughout the, you know, the weeks that come. And, and for sure, I also just want to give a great big, huge thank you to you, Sardik, for being on with us this morning. Absolutely. Um, I know you have other people to hang out with. I, I always do feel like every time I, I get to work with you that I'm getting to hang out with the cool kids. So um, <laughs> it's been a pleasure spending a little time with you. Sardik, definitely appreciate having you on the show today and, and sharing your story with us. So we'll, we'll, well, yeah, go ahead. Any oh, I was just going to say, it, it, yeah, it was, it was, it's been a pleasure. I mean, I, you know, we all have a story and, and my story is not unique and, and is very similar to a lot of other people's stories. And the, I think the key here is, and if I left, a, 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 you know, left everyone with a thought, I always tell my kids that some variation of this is that, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Time is going to be constant, you know, whether it's uh, a long amount of time or a short amount of time, time is constant, but your results are going to be a choice. And so the actions you take determine whether the, you know, the results happen sometime in time, no time or right on time. It's your choice. And, you know, so find a way to take those actions and don't worry about the time because that's constant your choice. So that's what I leave with, with your listeners. And, and uh, it's been a pleasure, not only for this, but the things that, that, you know, we're all collectively working on together. And, and so it's an honor mm -hmm. and, a, and a privilege to, to have you all as, as friends, colleagues, and partners. So thank you for this opportunity to, uh, to work with you and, and to learn from you because I'm still learning. And we all are. <laughs> Thank you, Sardik. <laughs> and we'll be sure, Sardik, in the note, show notes, uh, we'll put your contact information, whatever you'd like to share with our listeners, and we'll put those in there. So we'll be sure and have them in there. And to our audience, uh, we hope that this has been an encouragement to you uh, and always uh, encourage you to take time to reflect. And uh, in this case, reflect and then take some action as well. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up our podcast for today. But first, before we do, we always want to give a shout out to our sponsors. So we want to thank Upwards Unlimited for sponsoring this podcast. And their website is Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, UpwardsUnlimited.com. And that organization likes to help your teams and your organizations move from culture to community by using the four C's. It begins with conversation, then a connection, collaboration, and then eventually community. So check that out, upwardsunlimited.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and be sure and like and share our podcast so others can find us as well. Take care now. Bye-bye. <laughs>